hi. Hi. <laughs> I was typing, and so I was like, oh, oh, crap, it's time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're so prepared. We're so prepared all the time. We're always it's prepared okay. and we're always, you know, just slightly not on time. Um, it's still a 420. Happy 420. Um, Happy 420. We have guests today. We have guests today. I'm very excited. Um, so we're going to kind of take some time. Let's a few people join us. Um, yes. add There's in. some important shit to cover today. So go you get your some. friends. Tell them to come on over. Yes. Time to start. Yes. We are <laughs> oh going to be covering two different, very different topics today. Um, <clears throat> we are. For those that are tuning in. And <laughs> What's up, Jess? <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Um, hydrate, everybody. Hydrate. I got two water. I got a sparkling water. I got a sparkling CBD water, and I've got um, regular water today. I have regular sparkling water. Guess what? I don't have sitting next to me a lighter. No, I do. I, I did grab my lighter. Ashtray. I had to look at my. No, I grabbed that too. I had many messages for myself to like. Don't forget this. Not many, but I kept a blunt. Yeah, a bowl. I don't have coffee next to me. Oh shit! Well, that I would never have guessed that. I would have gone through the whole list. <laughs> I know. Water, seltzer, water, and seltzer. Um, so if you're here, say hello in the comments. We'd love to see you. Yay. We have a couple things we want to talk about today. Um, how was your Halloween? Um, I sat on my couch. I did not do anything. Um, my uh, little complex is not a, um, and for some reason the neighborhood itself is not a super trick or treaty area. Mine neither. I've been here eight years and I have never given out a single piece of candy. I used to buy the candy and then unfortunately I would have to eat all the candy because yeah, like, that's too many extra it. squats. Um, and so I did not buy any extra candy this year. I just bought my typical, I'm going to buy my things for myself, um, chocolate. Right. And then, um, yeah. Uh, but you went out, you went out, what, Saturday? I went out on Friday evening Friday uh, no, with my girlfriend. Was it Friday? Yeah, it I think was it was Friday. Friday. We both went out that night. Um, to a local concert, the gold, or they played at a local, the local performing arts center here. Um, the Golden Dawn Orchestra. The Golden Dawn Arch Orchestra. Arc. Orchestra. Orchestra. Okay, I heard you right the first time. I just, yes, I, that's I why I had to say it slowly because I want to say like Golden State, you know, something else. Right. <laughs> so um, it was a good time. They um, uh, They jammed out. Um, they had some amazing women, you know, performing as well. Singer. Yeah. You saw the post. If you, yeah, it was amazing. And I was upset that you weren't on mushrooms. <laughs> I, I mean, I was like, how were you not taking shrooms that, I mean, the performance was amazing and it looked like an art performance. It looked like an art installation of a performance. You know, it, that, that was my view. Um, it was, uh, where I, I was like literally at the very like edge of the stage of where they were performing. So I got super up close next to them. Yeah. 
That's the only reason. Otherwise, you know, my camera is super shitty. And if I were sitting in my seat, it would have been like blurred images. Because <laughs> were you wearing your glasses the whole night? Um, I was not. I actually took them off um, while I was dancing because the pressure of that wig with the glasses with, you know, I just, and I wore a wig cap. So I had Did you that put that button. on our Instagram. We'll have to put that picture up on the Instagram. We'll have to post it up on the Instagram. I have not. I thought about it and then, then um, got distracted earlier. We will post Halloween stuff on Instagram. I went out Friday night as well. And then I went out last night. Nice. So I stayed in Saturday. Nice. So um, kind of rolls into what we're going to be talking about first. Yes. Did you see any costumes that would make some people regret or possibly get in trouble if they were to run for politics in their future life? Did I see any costumes that would get white people fired? Probably I did. Um, I want to say before we get into the subject of, of appropriation and poor, uh, poor imagination and decision-making skills um that i have to call durango out real quick because last night i was dancing at uh, a little spot called el rancho the ranch for those of you who aren't familiar and um the dj played gold digger and uh there were there were not enough people of color in there to have said that word so clearly in that in that space. Um, white people shut your mouth. I don't care if it's in the song. Like stop it. So just stop. Like literally. Um, it was. I was like, whoa! Did I just hear like every white person in this space say that? Like just because it's part of the song, they said it loud too. <laughs> like they were like. I was like disappointed. Um, I think we're a little bit more careful or most people around here are a little bit more careful about their costume choices um, because we are like, there's a high population. There's a high native population right. um, visible too, like high population and visible. And that is I got called out this, I got called out this weekend. So let's talk about this. Cause I, we have a couple of different definitions of, and what we want to you know, talk about appropriation. And we talk about what is cultural appropriation and just, um, uh, and why we started talking about this uh, to begin with. So you want to lead with why we, uh, what caught your eye and what brought the attention to you and okay. where we yeah. went with the discussion. So, um, I really hope that the person that started this conversation with me does show up in the comments. I did invite them to please show up in the comments because I want to have this conversation more. So I just want to say that to start. Um, so, so I have been, uh, door dashing lately. Tip your door dashers, everybody. Um, I've been door dashing lately. And so I drive around town and so I do it um, with my husband, he drives and I ride in passenger seat. I run, get the orders and I run back and I take the orders to the, you know, whatever. So it's, yeah, it's quality time too, but like it's making money. I'm making some bank right now. And it's a safe, it's safe 
you know, for you as a female. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm sure. like, I, I feel like, totally I feel like feel comfortable smart. being like, yeah, I'm going to pick up your food and bring it to you. You right. know, like, and I was, listen, I got to drive. We got to drive out of some, some crazy spaces. I've told you about this one space that I've driven out to. And uh, it was right in the beginning when I first started uh, doing it. The reason I started doing it is because MJ and I are actually investing in some stuff. And I wanted to make a little extra money to throw at that investment. So that's that's what I'm doing is I'm making that money. Um, and still paying, you know, paying the bills on the other on the other paychecks, so, like, you know. Um, so so anyway, I, I go to this house or it's, well, it's a trailer. Who cares? It, house, trailer, I don't care. Same problem. Okay. We go out. It's like out way the fuck out. It's like 14 to 20 minutes of a drive to get to the place. Yes. I said that. Um, and then it's dark outside. It's pitch black and the porch light isn't really on. The instructions are kind of convoluted. I find we finally figure out where the front door is. Right. And, I, for some reason, I was like, you need to like get out with me and go to the thing. So he gets out with me and he follows me and I just walk up to the door and I put, I put the food where they asked me to put it. I take the picture and I turn around and as I turn around, he turns the flashlight on. There is dog shit everywhere. Like I almost stepped off of this porch into a pile in my brand new white shoes that my best friend bought me over the summer that are still sparkling white. I would have lost my mind. <laughs> so, so it gets kind of sketch. So the point being is that, you know, he drives and then I, I feel safer. Um, and while I'm dashing, of course, I'm seeing everybody's decorations and we go by this house and there's like a whole scene of skeletons in this person's yard on their roof on the, they, they, they got the, uh, the, the extra like window peaks. They got them on top, like a skeleton, skeletal structures on top of that, like birds and horses and people and everything. Everything demons, skeleton. Everything, everything skeleton. skeletons. And, All different scenes, right? And the theme in their yard is a luau. So I don't think anything of this. People do in the how low can you get? What is that called? I haven't figured that out yet. Limbo. It's limbo. Limbo. It's limbo. Okay. We, limbo. But they had literally. So what did they guys, saw? It was like they had lays. They had Hawaiian shirts. They had grass skirts. You guys, you guys, we spent the whole weekend not knowing the name of that game. <laughs> okay. That's so, not to me, literally. Um, okay. So I posted on, on my Instagram story, right? And uh, one of my, I would say, inter, I would say one of my internet friends, um, we follow each other. One of my internet friends uh, called me out on it. She said, while I'm sure this was in good fun, it's actually inappropriate and um, in poor taste. That's what she said. And I said, um, can you explain that? Like, I don't know what you're talking. Why is this in poor taste? And then she tells me that there's a history. I did not know this. I 
found myself ignorant and I'll pause for the, for the end. So she tells me just briefly that there's a history of persecution and um, there's, this is an actual cultural event um, that takes place. There's meaning behind it, etc. Right. And then what did I do? I explained why it was okay to do it. I did. Because people have luau's because because when what? we go to Hawaii they people invite to us Hawaii. to luau's yeah. and blah blah blah. I did that. Immediately that was my immediate reaction. I want to apologize for that. It was not it was a poor reaction. Um I, and I, 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 I posed the question, how do we know that these uh the people that the yard owners were not Hawaiian? You know, we don't know that, but or, statistically uh, speaking. I know Polynesian descent. I know. When we, I go, know when, we, when we talk about statistics here, so then we uh, Durango is majority Caucasian. And I'm just playing the devil's advocate here. Please and, understand that I do not. I, I respect people's culture, obviously, and I you know it is a discussion right. of and whether was, it's it, no, appropriation was, or appreciation. We you mm-hmm. know that is the the you know so that's the question on the table acknowledged right. Where do we cross? So first of all, I want to, I wanted to take an opportunity to educate myself about this subject. It was brought to my attention. My immediate reaction was poor. Uh, but also I appreciated being called out. I want that to happen. Even if my immediate reaction is poor, I want it to happen. Um, we talk, we talk about one of our friends, uh, in Missouri from time to time. I'm not, I'm not going to mention no names. Y'all know who I'm talking about. If you know, if you know, you know, we talk about all the time. And, uh, and this person is, uh, the queen of, of call out like, like, Hey, that's fucked up that you did that. And also I tried to talk to you privately about it and you still was acting fucked up about it. Right. Right. So I said, because I, it happened recently that uh, this person called out another person for some of their actions and blah, blah, blah. And then the person that was called out was like kind of sarcastic about it. Oh, the lies. But I was like, but were there lies? And could we address the subject matter? Um, so I said in the conversation that I was having, I think I was having it with you actually, that I would love it if she would call me out. Like, oh my God, it would be like, <laughs> like shit. Let me pause and take a look at my, and I didn't do that <clears throat> when I was called out on this. Um, it, it's, it's, I'm telling you this for a reason. Look, I talk about this shit all the time. I am on the side of progress and progression and people and humanity and I am also ignorant of things and I react in an ignorant manner sometimes as well. And I, I'm, you know, so I, you know, hopefully y'all are cool and give me a chance to, to educate myself, which is what I did. I did that. I went and looked, um, luau's have a, a space in history. I'm not going to go through all the articles. We have a, a lot to talk about today. I'm not going to go through all the stuff that I, I read, but um, I was reading about it. And um, so I might get the years wrong, but in um, Hawaiian culture and um, Polynesian culture, the, the 
uh, native culture, men and women were not, not allowed to eat together under a certain king's rule. And I think it was like in 1859 when that changed. And then this, it was a ceremonial thing. The luau became this ceremonial thing um, to mark that change. Um, I'm probably really just, I mean, it's, I'm probably breaking it down too basically, but, but this is a cult. It's not just a party is what I'm saying. It's not just a party. And actually when uh, I, I would, I would actually ask that if you're listening to this right now um, and you're planning trips to Hawaii and things like that, actually do some research on where you're going and, and what your plan is, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, places where they they're asking people not to visit right now um for for different for a variety of different reasons not all of them are covid related <clears throat> some of them are about people coming to coming there staying there and gentrifying their neighborhoods and then the natives don't can't afford to live in where they where they live right, right. so anyways um, so when we show up in Hawaii and they do this presentation for us, that is literally just a moneymaker. They, um, exaggerated a lot. The foods are different. Um, they, they serve chicken fingers and French fries. Stop it. White people. That's white people shit. Stop it. Like if you go to somebody's table, <laughs> eat what they serve you. Like seriously, <laughs> I mean, I think, I mean, I would hope that if you're going, you get to experience the traditions and why, again, have an appreciation and a respect of understanding what the culture is um, and why you're, you know, why you're going there, why it has been. Um, so that's the difference between appreciation and appropriation. Right. But even, you know, when, when we look at it in terms of what Hollywood has done to <clears throat> cultures or for, you know, whether it's for or against cultures um, and the progression that we've seen in um, adaptation of culture, you know, going from blackface <clears throat> to that's not acceptable um, to, um, uh, you know, even now where they're saying, um, voice actors, you know, they're calling voice actors out for doing accents. And it's like, um, this is, uh, yeah, I mean, that's not appropriation. This is a use of a talent and, <laughs> and uh, capability. And yes, should we utilize actors and talent appropriate to a film or, uh, you know, but this also a, a, a huge example is just in Asian movies where yeah. um, whether a Korean culture is depicted, but the actress act, actresses are primarily Japanese. Well, I was going to say, you know, or straight up white people being, well, I was going to say does as Japanese or Asian characters, you know, I also think that in cancel culture in general, I also think it matters who's calling who out. I think a lot of um, woke white liberals um, call people out on shit and and it's it's unnecessary or try to cancel people and it's unnecessary. I was going to use a similar example for what you use and that was um, but it was actually um, Scarlett Johansson was cast in um, damn it what's the movie <laughs> where's where's it my husband slipped out of my mouth like to solve the thing too their image yeah um. I'll think of it in a minute, but she was cast in a movie that is, um, it's, 
based in Asian culture and um, Asian people Ghost were not up. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Ghost in the shell. Um, <laughs> I beat you. She beat you. Um, <laughs> so, so ghost in the shell, Scarlett Johansson was cast in um, the role of the major and, um, and, uh, white people got mad about it. Like you should have cast an Asian actor, but Asian people were like, no, she's a good actress. She did a great job. She was cat like literally. Yeah. Let's pay attention to who's doing the call out too. And, 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 and are we, who, are what we talent is available to fulfill right. these roles, to fulfill um, an, an idea, a story, you know, for what you, you all want as entertainment. Yes. And um, and so we kind of were talking, I brought up the whole Moana thing and the way that Disney has kind of moved through their uh, different approach to cultures. And uh, Moana, they actually did go in and, you know, and even a few of their more current um, uh, cartoon movies or whatever you want to call them, I don't know, animations, um, they they go and they immerse themselves in the culture. They do try to um, utilize the talent that that uh, you know, that that community has, and um, and they do try to incorporate you know, and uh, immerse themselves to understand and represent it appropriately. Right. You know, and so um, I think there was as I was looking through articles, some there was a question: Is it appropriate to dress as Moana? Moana is a character, a character that was developed from an actual you know, culture and, uh, you know, and they, they focus on the culture and they actually do education. And if you listen to Moana and they talk about, yeah. you know, is the person doing, um, wearing the costume or portraying the character. Right. Right. But then, so well, that's yeah. saying, okay, well, know. what if I'm, it's you know, as a little, as a little Asian girl, do I want to be Cinderella? Am I not allowed to be Cinderella? And it's we, a sticky you know, situation. Or, well, white people aren't oppressed and generally speaking. So yeah, I mean, I dressed as freaking orphan Annie when I was a kid with and a red. I, you know, <laughs> well, first of all, if you look like me, you've done it. For that's like real life. If you look like me, you've done it. Uh, maybe not to the extent I, that people like. I've never done blackface. I would never. I never. I've dressed as an Indian. But, you know, as a right? you know. Pocahontas or Pocahontas when I was a child my parents definitely dressed me you know and and so it's about education I think that we need to definitely be educated on these things so taking opportunity to do that um, maybe it is uh, inappropriate to depict the luau and I don't think those people listen to our podcast but if you do consider business suits next year and you know, um, <laughs> you're like an office. If you share our show, uh, Cannabis Closet Podcast with Canna Queen and MJ, and you have anyone that um, is a native Hawaiian, should, uh, I should, too. I should, I should, I should stick one of the cards in the in the box, and then uh, we talked about your yard on our show the other day. <laughs> We would um, love to hear your take. On that. We'd love to hear your take, and also, you know, again. <laughs> um, are we taking it too, you know, like, it, are we the, the appropriation? What, where's the line? And then I think yeah. the line is, is it offensive? Um, is it out of line? Um, and someone's always going to be offended. I think, no. For me, the line is that when it, I, I am going to make a lesson out of this for myself, that when somebody 
makes an effort to educate me about something like that, that I listen and don't react in haste and defensively. There are a lot of things we don't know about the people who put that up in their yard. They could have had their honeymoon in Hawaii last year and they were so excited about it, whatever. <clears throat> and, uh, and I think it comes down to though, education, education in America is whitewashed like a motherfucker. And, uh, and we have to, and we have to learn these lessons. And, and so for my reaction, I apologize and I will do better. And, um, that's it. Well, that was, I mean, and there's so much more, obviously, like conversations that go along with this in, in terms of uh, examples and discussions about it. So um, make sure you're having that discussion with people or if you're planning your costumes or something, um, do a little educating of yourself before you go to research costume that um, may or may not uh, <clears throat> appropriate a culture. Or keep it simple and be a unicorn. Yes. Last you. night I was both a unicorn and a person riding a unicorn, depending on what part of the night we were talking about. <laughs> that was hot. I I'll be right. I'm going to mute myself real quick. Um, watch. I probably won't be able to sneeze now. Bless you though. Or no, I definitely won't be able to sneeze. <laughs> My bad. Um, <laughs> welcome everybody to uh, the cannabis closet podcast. <laughs> If we didn't say it before, I'm Canna Queen, and uh, this is MJ, and um, we talk about uh, things that that happen that are relevant to cannabis in the cannabis industry. Um, we and sometimes not. Sometimes, sometimes we're not. users talking about a subject that um, I think it all ties together at some power. point. <laughs> I think it. I think it all ties together at some point, and I'd love to have the discussion over a blunt. Absolutely. And if you know anybody that's that's more um, educated about these subjects than than we happen to be, because we're just giving you like, you know, hey, um, basic, basic, basic information, um, send them our way. We would love to have that conversation and be educated on the subject matter, because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be that person that defends something stupid. I'm not trying to be that person. <laughs> And with that being said, um, subjects discussed on um, the show may not be of our opinion. Um, we are reading headlines. We are bringing in um, guests and um, we all have our opinions and we are sharing everything. So if you have an opinion about a subject, always feel free to reach out to us to comment um, whether it's now or later. We always do a follow up show on Wednesdays and we're happy to um, entertain discussion about what we're talking about. Um, you can contact us via email at cannabiscloset420 at gmail.com. Um, find us in our other locations as well and comment. Uh, but that's usually our best and easiest because we do check that. I mean, I check that more than I check my personal email. I think I do too. <laughs> <laughs> it's really scary. And um, we also, you can also interact with us uh, on a daily basis in Discord. Uh, we are there usually sometimes mostly in the mornings to work out, discuss, hey, hey. talk. Uh, yeah, wake and bake. Um, there and it is. Come and chill with us. Uh, there's a link there for you. Uh, we can. You can always join us. Um, catch if you're it. listening on on you know one of the pod, podcast stations, 
uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play, or any of the podcast stations that we're playing on, you can uh, shoot us an email. We'll be happy to send you that Discord link if you'd like to hang out with us in Discord and have uh, regular interactions. Thanks, everyone that's joining in right now. We're just starting to get into um, our main discussion today. Trigger and, warning. Um, I, we do have uh, you know, some trigger warnings. This is going to be discussing addiction. Um, sensitive topic. trauma, sensitive materials, um, of, uh, and also, um, you know, how it relates to cannabis. And, um, yeah, we have some really awesome guests that are going to join us. I would think they should introduce themselves. I think that's a, a better, <laughs> you want to just yeah. go, do we want to go ahead and bring them on in? Do we want to, um, do we, do we have any other? No, I think that was most of the housekeeping. We can, uh, do the rest. Bring them in. To introduce them. All right. Well, first up there we got Miss Laurie Girl. Next we've got Mr. Dusty. And oops, I just muted you. All right. Here we go. Welcome, guys. Thanks so much for joining right. us. Thanks for having Thanks us. For having I guess that's you know. So who wants to go first? You're just so eager. <laughs> guys. I'm game. <laughs> okay. Why don't you introduce yourself? Ladies okay. um right on. My name is Laurie. Um I am a recovering addict. And um May I will have um five years. And not only am I in recovery, I'm a state coordinator where I help people that um who are struggling with drugs and substance abuse and um co-occurring issues such as uh mental health and i help them get into rehab outpatient uh partial hospitalization and all that and um in january i will be starting my master's in uh license and marriage and family counseling nice. and i also worked in the cannabis industry for about four years out in denver um and that's about that. Awesome. Well, thanks well, for welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Dusty, would you like to introduce yourself? <clears throat> sure. Um, my name is Dusty. Um, I've got four and a half years sober, um, thanks to cannabis. I had a, a really hard time. I spent my entire life addicted to one substance or another. I would get off one substance, and then the VA would put me on some other substances, and I would just get overloaded with opiates and then they cracked down on it and turned into heroin. But thanks to, to cannabis, it, it has fought, fought the, um, the drug seeking in my life. Mm -hmm. It has eased the anxieties. It's, it's, it's been a saving grace for me. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for cannabis. I would, I would be not here. Not this dude anyway. <laughs> and, you're, and you're currently um, studying right also, correct? You're in school right now? Yes, I'm. I'm a senior. I'm getting my bachelor of science in counseling and substance abuse. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks. Um, you guys, more. we need more to say and more. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to say, never too late to um, to do what you want to do in your life. This proof right here in Amen. in four panels. Welcome to it. Um, so I definitely want to talk about the relationship. Um, between cannabis and substance abuse. And I was doing some research, if we can call it that. Some They were Google searches, you guys. But I was looking for articles and, and peer reviews and things like that. 
um, that we're talking about the relationship uh, with cannabis and treating addiction. And it was difficult to find things that did not talk about cannabis addiction. So I had, I had a really difficult time finding a whole lot. So um, I wanted to um, start uh, first with maybe, um, you know, taking it back a step. And um, just when I reached out to Laurie and um, were asking about terminology and the best way to present um, addiction recovery, and she informed me of the different definitions and how they equate in, um, you know, active addiction recovery 12-step program. Would you all mind um, elaborating on um, on that for yeah, us language, for a minute? That language you know, is important. I'm um, bringing yeah. in how yeah. um, cannabis is viewed as versus a, a help or a hindrance. Okay. Um, I just want to say um, this is tonight. I'm just going to share my own experience, strength, and hope. Um, so I'm not a I'm not a, like the spokesperson for a 12 step program. This is just. Yeah my own experience and, um, what I, uh, feel works best for me. Mm-hmm. And I also think, um, 12 step programs are trying to, um, catch up with, uh, today's society and, uh, using cannabis medicinally. I, I feel like we're there, but we're not there completely. Um, so I work a 12 step program and when I got clean, like cannabis wasn't necessarily like, in fact, I, when I was in the cannabis industry, I didn't even consume cannabis and it wasn't necessarily my cup of tea. Um, however, when, um, I got in to the 12 step program, they, um, you know, um, usually recovery means you are, uh, someone who is not consuming any substances or any mind altering substances. Now, if you want to get real deep, deep, and that's a whole other conversation that can even go into mental health medicines. If you're like Mm -hmm. really old school, uh, 12 step program person. Um, so what I was taught was no mood or mind altering substances. Um, and when you're working a, a 12 step program, um, you know, you're in recovery. Now that's just what my, what I know and what I've come to learn on that. Um, there is a difference, um, you know, and some 12 groups are very adamant about not saying clean or sober because they want to identify it as the disease of addiction and not saying, Oh, I'm an alcoholic or in an addict or, um, some people just want to say addict cause you're kind of like a whole shebang kind of person, you know, because it is in my, um, uh, own personal life and what I believe is that the disease of addiction doesn't discriminate. Um, it will manifest itself into different ways in your life. So, um, yeah, so, and I've seen it manifest its way in other, um, in other people's lives. I know it has in my, because right when I gave up drugs, like and things I didn't think I had issues with came up later on because it's my mentality. It's a, it's a physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional disease. I always compare it to like, um, well, not compare it, but I always use the example of, of, uh, I had a friend who, uh, stopped using, was in a program, but started like 24 seven in the gym. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's so typical. (laughs) Like, like, 
Yep, that mm-hmm. sounds about right. Like you end up becoming submersing, you submerse yourself in something else. Um, right. I've used caffeine, like I used to use drugs um, right when I got clean. I mean, there was, it was zero to a hundred real quick. And we do have this saying, it's like uh, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. So basically what the disease of addiction wants to do, or at least for me, is I want to feel something outside of myself because I can't sit with what's going on inside of Lari. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I do that through obsessively and compulsively using. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, cannabis, like when I was in the cannabis industry, I was a juicer. And I even had family members uh, who had cancer. And I saw the quality of life that they got as a result of juicing and consuming cannabis. Um, They were able to eat meals. You know what I mean? They were able to sit in their last days of their lives and have conversations with their family members and remember, like, be coherent, you know? Uh, People with fibromyalgia, you know, were on opiates for decades and only found some form of reprieve when they were on cannabis. But now, and I say this in all non-judgment, and I say this only from the mentality of an addict, because that's how I, I think is what my thing is, and I've seen um, people who have getting off opiates and then can, cannabis has given them a, uh, um, a second chance at life, you know? Um, and like I said, I say this like from a place of love, like what I see is like the substitution, you know, sometimes that could be a substitution because... Um, you can take 15 dabs to the head, like right after one or another. Is that mm-hmm. like necessary? But it also depends on your body, what your body takes in. Because I've worked with a manager who can go to work on 500 milligram edibles and she's a freaking champ. You yeah. know what I mean? And right. run a store and run a dispensary, you know, like a boss. So that's my only thing with substitution um, in mm-hmm. regards to like um, consuming cannabis. Um, we do have in some 12 step fellowships, they have, um, a booklet called in times of illness. And, um, basically it helps you guide what you would work with your sponsor and what you would work with a medical cannabis doctor. If you choose to use cannabis as your own, uh, personal medication while you're working a 12 step program. So the conversation is starting to be had. Mm. Oh yeah. It's, it's been, it's been going on. A lot of people are choosing, cannabis um over you know because with cannabis you know their life might not feel unmanageable and unmanageable can look completely different for lots of people uh i've seen people in the rooms blow paychecks on bud you know and that becomes a problem you know or what some people chastise women for doing for drugs i've seen men do for cannabis you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's really on what you, you feel on your own spirit. What has become unmanageable for you? Right. Um, Dusty, can you tell us about your experience and with cannabis um, and and where and what your uh, thoughts are on that? I, I just want to remind everybody that yeah. nobody on this panel is a doctor or a lawyer either. So we're speaking from um, experience in the cannabis industry or with cannabis directly and from life experience as well. So, uh, Dusty, go ahead. Well, um, when I would, I, I, first I was addicted to, to amphetamines. And to get off of that, I had to go to the VA. And I used cannabis in, on, on the sly, <laughs> without them knowing, to what? get through the, the, the worst of the symptoms. 
why did you have to use it on the slide without them knowing? Because the federal government thinks that it's a Schedule One drug, and you can—I mean, you—they will deny you any kind of healthcare whatsoever if you if you test positive with THC in your in your system. But they would give me so many milligrams of oxycodone and so many milligrams of somas that my life, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't there, you know, my body was there, but I wasn't there. And, and when I weaned myself off of that, when I moved to Hawaii and, and weaned myself all of all the opiates, I just started smoking a good hybrid weed, a nice, nice blend that my buddy was growing in Maui. And it eased all of that. It, it, it didn't make me want to seek the drugs. It eased my pain. It, it, it saved my life for real, for real. Because I was getting into where I was mainline in Oxycontin just to get that opiate. You know, they say it's non-addictive, the Oxycontin. They, they, they advertise it as being non-addictive. But it they is the thing very, is, is that we're supposed to put it, it's addictive. supposed to be used in a way so that you can heal and appropriately in a few days. And then you should be able to use cannabis and other methods yes, to yeah. relieve pain because just because surgeries or things were fixed doesn't mean pain goes away. Um, you, right. Sometimes it relieves it, but you know, um, that, but again, it was initially, you know, it's for initial and then it, you're supposed to not, but mm-hmm. the way that our medical system has done, it, it just give it to you, give it to you, give it they, to you. They, and, they give it you to off you. The knees. and you find, and, and right. so many find people find themselves in the same situation of then turning to, street drugs mm-hmm. um, because they no longer have access to pharmaceuticals that they were, you know, essentially. Mm. Spoon yeah. I can't. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what, um, what you're saying about the military, um, I, they did the same thing to me, just like, here's, here's a medication. You go in with a problem. It doesn't matter what that problem is. I went in uh, to a doctor to talk to them about my mental health. And I was like, you know, I would like to do talk therapy and not take any medication because I'm required to carry a firearm for my job and they will not let me do that if I'm on any kind of mind altering medication. Right. And so the doctor listened to everything that I said and then prescribed me a medication that I had to take because here we go. And then, of course, immediately after that, they downloaded me and put me in a space where I didn't need a weapon to do my, et cetera, et cetera. Um, That certainly helped my mental health. Um, But they just keep shoving. Like, if you go to the doctor and you have a a pain, uh, they will shove Motrin down your throat. Like, these big, huge 800 milligram Motrins, right? Um, and And if the pain is... Um, chronic, they have to keep you out there. So they're going to do what they they did to Dusty. Is they're going to give them give him something stronger, and stronger and stronger. And don't you dare touch cannabis because if you do, by the way, I'm gonna cut you off of all of these medications that you need. And by the quitting cold turkey. Um, when you're um, in an addictive state is very, very dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. And oftentimes um, veterans and others 
are using medications um, in conjunction with these pain medications. So they're using life-saving like blood pressure medication or something like that. The VA will cut a a veteran, you guys, sign the dotted line, put their life on the line, come home with mental health issues if if they're lucky like that's that's real life we lose at least 22 veterans a day to mental health disorders um and 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 part of it is because if they're caught using something like cannabis they get cut off from all of their other medications and all of their appointments and they can't see their psychiatrist or their their therapist they can't see their um, their regular doctor. Nothing, nothing. This is how they treat veterans. Yeah. Yep. I do know they are. You know, they're in medical states. If veterans have their medical cards, they are. You know, start. They have made a directive for that to uh, you know be accepted. They are trying to sign into. I, I think maybe it's just Colorado, but um, allowing. Uh, um, VA doctors to start allowing writing the recommendations for their patients. You know, mm-hmm. um, they're changing regulations uh, about primary care practitioners and and uh, how patients are going to be able to access their medical cards. And uh, you know, and again, wrong direction to take these things into when we can again easily access um, cannabis as um, adult use uh, and pay more money for it and get less. Um, product value um, in, in, in doses that we need medicinally. So we're seeing this disconnect of it, you know, um, of what patients need and, and can to change their lives right. versus what um, the government allows for. So when Dusty comes back, I want to talk to him about this too. But um, when I was doing the, the looking up and trying to find kind of some information about this, um, most of what I found was in the direction of uh, CBD. So not in the vein of the mind altering part, part of cannabis, which is the THC, but rather using CBD to help block the, uh, the, the need, the necessity for um, having those other uh, medications. I think that's or, where we need more research. You know, the research mm-hmm. that is being done, it's being done um, on, you know, it's not being done. It's with, it's not strain specific. It's not um, uh, method of consumption specific. Or, you know, I think they are, you know, in that sense, but as far as where they get, they get their product and, you know, versus what's available to patients, you know, what's available to patients um, to, uh, to purchase, to use right. uh, versus what they're giving, you know, what they're testing on, you know, and how they're presenting as um, whether mm-hmm. cannabis is um, beneficial or not. Right. Um, so I think definitely studies being done. Right. We definitely need more tests about that. Um, but from what I've been reading and kind of um, Dusty suggested that uh, when he was talking about his experience is um, the CBD is very helpful in in blocking um, the I guess the receptors that that make you feel like you need something like you need that drug 
it's the CBD is helpful in blocking in blocking that necessity. And I wish that. yeah we I, I I should have reached out to uh, you know Dr. B or another practitioner to see if they you know, could weigh in on the you know the way that the uh, body is systems it? and where our receptors are. Um, a majority of our THC receptors are located in the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas CBD is more active throughout the body. Um, so, you know, I just, I don't have experience, um, in, in this subject matter at all, except from an outsider's point of view. Like, honestly, if my, if my dad had quit drinking and started using cannabis, even if it is a replacement or whatever, I, life would have been better. So, I pulled up a, a little article just in Mio you know, read that I was reading and it's from the recovery which I guess they are trying to uh, report on mental health in a EO you know, and educate um, in different ways. So they do have this, uh, you know, that's who I work for. Oh, the recovery village says about yeah. um, marijuana addiction. Um, So THC, which is the mind-altering component to the drug, activates certain receptors in the brain that cause users to experience mood changes, impaired memory, and altered senses. Often, an abuser will build up a tolerance to the drug, become dependent, crave the drug, and then suffer some form of withdrawal once the drug is taken away. And, And so I the way that I kind of associate is that it seems for, you know, they're, they're using it in, you know, the broad sense of abuser, you know, like these are Mm -hmm. what, and like you said, it doesn't, it doesn't dictate what you're going to abuse. It's just that you, there is going to be these um, tolerance, dependence, craving, Mm -hmm. withdrawal. Um, And that's what I found interesting. So then it it did talk about, um, says uh evident you know they talk about studies and i think there probably are links i'm going to go ahead and um link this into um our comments here in regards to withdrawal from cannabis or withdrawal in general um it this one it just uh it it's linking it to cannabis you know is mar is cannabis addictive um and the properties of cannabis have become subject of the controversy of controversy um there is evidence showing that about 30 percent of abusers marijuana abusers will become addicted to the drug okay um the chances of developing a marijuana addiction increases 70 percent if a person begins using during adolescence um Mm. and so that was their answer to is it addictive um, yeah, I want to say to the, just for our listeners, cause a, a lot of cannabis consumers scoff at that word when you talk about cannabis and addiction. Um, I often use the word dependency because when I think about addiction, I think about how your body goes through these changes. If you don't like feed, feed your body, the, what it's addicted to. And that goes for, Hey, you guys, sugar, oh, processed yeah. foods, well, sugar, your caffeine, body goes through a similar food. Caffeine, your body goes through a similar um, withdrawal to those substances. Cannabis, um, more, more, it's it's mental, but there is there is a chance of dependency, right? I don't want to deny that at all. People can become dependent, and it can change your life. Dependency changes your life. It means that you're not showing up to work. 
you're not um, you're not um, uh, fostering your your relationships appropriately. Right. You're, you're not doing the things that you need to do to um, to strive in life, which is the point of being a human being, by the way. Um, so so say that again. That unmanageability. Yes. It's not being able to manage your life because yeah. you need you need to go back to the substance. It's that thing. And so. Right. If you and, and also there I, some of y'all are going to hate to hear this. Uh, there are studies that are showing that microdosing cannabis is way better for most illnesses and most um, symptoms that we're treating with cannabis. Hmm. So keep that in mind. I know there's a lot of our listeners, myself included, I have a high tolerance, um, but also just keep that in mind that there are studies starting to show that there are certain illnesses and symptoms that are treated better through microdosing mm-hmm. rather than uh, huge macro doses. So, um, so this, this art, this um, particular article kind of goes into um, a little bit about the cannabis as treatment versus possible preventive measure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the difference and why, um, you know, it does say, you know, since we're saying that cannabis can be addictive in a sense, um, the THC and, and the, the mind altering aspect, um, is it counterproductive to use it in addiction recovery? Um, and so they're saying using one addictive drug to get off another simply does not make sense long term. Um, there are a few things to do that do make sense, however, particularly when it comes to opioid addiction. Um, I don't it wasn't here, but in another place that I was reading, it was actually saying that um, cannabis was not good for cocaine addiction. And it didn't go into why I couldn't find why it just it caught my eye. And I think I wrote it in one of my notes over here. Um, but uh is what some studies are finding is that the use of prescribed um, cannabis for medical conditions, especially for pain issues, can help prevent an opioid addiction from developing in, for, in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, many addicts begin their addiction with a prescription for painkillers, and medical cannabis might be a suitable and safer substitute. Um, the way that, again, I've discussed with our practitioners is not substitute, but to use it to help not become addictive. Yeah. Use the opioid for what it's meant to be used for and use other things to maintain. Um, and, and, and I think that that's what the educate, where the education is lacking mm-hmm. of when they're handing out these prescriptions. I dislocated my shoulder a couple of years ago on the mountain. They're giving me a prescription for Percocet. And I was like, I don't want it. I was like, I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to fill it. They're like, no, take it. You're going to want it at four in the morning. I'm like, no, I'm not. I use cannabis. I'll be fine. They're like, no, take it. We're going to give it to you anyway. So what is that open? I'm an honest person, you know, but that opens up someone to go fill that prescription and sell it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or to you like, oh, I'll give it to my friends that will use it. No, the doctor said I need to use it. That thing that the doctor said I need to use it. I have, you know, I, we did a, we, we do a, started a new segment, um, recently, uh, what is, what is pissing can of queen off today? And so I have, I have two opinions on this that are, that I, that I think can live together. First of all, I think the doctors over prescribe and over push 
um, pharmaceutical medication. And I think that the reason and there's and there's plenty of proof of this, but I think that the reason that that is done is because of profit. Because uh, at one point they were convinced that they were not addictive and then they got addicted to that profit. And now they don't even care if it's addictive or not. They're just going to push that medication. So that's number one. But number two, if a doc, if I go to a doctor and the doctor says, you need this to save your life, you, you have to take this blood pressure medication every day, right? The doctor says that you need this insulin every day. The doctor says that. Why the fuck do we have things like GoodRx to keep our prescription prices low? What are you talking about? My doctor said I will die without this. And and now you're saying that there is room for a whole ass app outside of insurance that is sometimes beats your insurance prices. Coupons for medication? What are we talking about? Like, yeah, I, it, I don't know if think, that comes I along think, with subsidies from, you know, we don't, you know, some things that. But that whole mentality that. has pushed, has pushed this addiction, this addictive, this is the addiction epidemic mm-hmm. in this country. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to sit down and watch it yet. I really need to be in the right headspace to watch this. But if you have Hulu, um, I am recommending without having seen it, I am recommending Dope Sick. Oh, it's without, so good. It's okay. so good. Without yeah. having seen it, I'm recommending it because I already have heard how good it is. And then I've seen some of the um, trailers for it. And um, and it it... it the accurate there's I've also seen news stories about it too. So so the accuracy of the information in um is it a show or is it a movie? I um I'm gonna take that back. I thought you were talking about three days. Oh okay. Have you heard so, of three so days? this is the Hulu um yeah. dope sick and um and I've read some news stories about it. The the information is accurate where like the drug companies came in and convinced doctors and um, and who convinced their patients that this drug was less than one percent addictive? So there was like a less than one percent chance that your patients are going to get addicted to this drug, right? Right. So start they started with that lie, and then they pushed it. So so drug companies are absolutely responsible for uh, for this type of addiction in this country. The right. government is absolutely responsible for the crack epidemic in this country and the war on drugs that didn't work, that took people out of their homes and away from their families who were probably great fathers, by the way, because they were using and consuming cannabis and not consuming um, other things, but they got put in jail for life. So they couldn't be great fathers. Um, and it, and it creates this whole um, systemic um problem in in poor and um communities of color poor 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 communities and communities of color adds on to that stigma right it adds on to that stigma and now it's even hard it's 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 becoming a little bit easier as more states legalize but it's it's also difficult to educate in those spaces because there's a stigma attached to it and the last time that um, this, this substance was involved in my household. It took, it tore my family apart. And, and so, you know, we have to be careful when we have those conversations too, but, um, getting back to, um, the original conversation, um, 
yeah, I, I, in the comments, people are, you know, I've never felt sick from stopping using cannabis. You know, my symptoms come back, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's because cannabis does, isn't, it's, when I say it's not physically addictive, that's what I mean. It's not physically cha- changing how your body reacts to not having the substance. It's, it's more, it's, it's way more mental in that space. Um, and again, that's where your receptors are, are in your brain too, for your THC receptors, which is the mind altering portion, um, of when we talk about, um, psychoactivity of the cannabis and our physiological withdrawals, if you're, you know, it's different when you're using cannabis to keep nausea at bay, keep your pain at bay. And when you are not using that, um, or anything else to assist you with, um, those, you know, the reasons why you use medical cannabis, um, it's, it's a different, I think, than, um, you know, again, withdrawal, um, if I, you know, I use my, I use cannabis for, to, for my mood, it is a mood all, it does help me, uh, you know, stay elevated and in some instances and motivated to, and focused to do the things that I, you know, do. Um, and again, we're all different. So, and why we use, um, why we use cannabis and, um, I think though there is a there is a what you're talking about, Laurie, is this this like really it's 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 this really fine line because if you live with addiction, mm. then yeah, I mean, is that what's happening when an individual who lives with addiction is recovering? Um, turns to cannabis as part of their recovery method. Um, just ladies and gentlemen, just so everybody knows, I didn't want to, we just got into this conversation, but um, Dusty lost his Wi-Fi, um, oh. hoping he gets to come back. But if not, we'll definitely try to bring him on on Wednesday to further this, this discussion because we absolutely want to hear um, what he has to say as well. He's super interesting character. And um, if you guys want to follow him, he's Dusty Thurman. Um, so definitely go check him out. And real quick, we, you know, um, Dusty is part of the high council. Oh yes. Uh, we are going to yeah. start featuring people from the high council on the show yes. more often. So you can get to know all of us on the high council. Um, and Dusty is one of those individuals and he has a very unique experience that we wanted to discuss. So yes, thank you for saying that. I keep pointing the wrong direction. I, I'm going to do it for the rest of our lives. And it's okay. And it's all right. I think I just, I, you got, nope, point that way. You got to point the opposite way. Yeah. Keep doing that with my cat, thinking her head's over here, but she's like over here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stage left, stage right. I never <laughs> was good at it. So, <laughs> but I do think it's a scary prospect to, um, to go to consider, um, another substance Mm -hmm. in in the process but also we have things like methadone clinics um which i fully support um any type of like um help anything that's going to help with recovery that people um choose to do you know yeah but um i think that when you i think that what you were saying i think you said this early on when we first started talking about this and and i definitely want you to complete that thought that you were gonna um just have but um i think you said this early on that um when um when discussing cannabis use in recovery um that 
that should be maybe monitored a little bit better. Because when you go to a clinic, they monitor everything that you're doing, the, the dosage. And like, so a lot of people are self-medicating and that's working for them. And they've managed to um, find a healthy space to live in. Um, but also I think some people are going, a lot of people, and maybe even the people who are, are, you know, not, not considering this and just kind of doing it on their own, but, you know, having a mentor, having somebody walk you through it, paying attention to the dosing that you're taking, how much are you taking? Why are you taking this much? Is this much going to help you as much as this much? Can we lower the dose? Can we, do we need to increase the dose? Like, what are the things, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I think that would be great in general for any medical patient, but when we're talking about recovery specifically, I think it would help, um, an individual not fall back into that, into that cycle. Uh, what do you think? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you hit the nail on the head, um, a couple things to, um, unpack. Um, yeah, I apologize for interrupting you on dope sick. When you said dope sick, I was like, oh, that movie three days is amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, um, and then, um, no, that's exactly what, if I, if I got sick, I would definitely go in. Um, if I got sick, I would definitely go to cannabis before any drug. Um, and that would have to be dosed out from my, um, from my uh, cannabis doctor. I would, contact my sponsor, let them aware I have a support system of women that I'm totally tight with. So they know if anything's really weird or, or Laurie's not mm-hmm. acting like herself, um, isolation, um, odd behaviors, but I would have my husband, um, give me out my doses, you know? Um, and that goes in all aspects because, um, there are times of illness where people have knee injuries, uh, people get in car accidents and you, it would be insane not to take some form of medication because the pain would just be too great, you know? Mm -hmm. And then that's what that literature I was mentioning earlier called like in times of illness. Um, But yeah, like I've had to just give people out their medication. And then there are people, I think um, we have to do it with other medications as well. Like with opiates, there's people that sometimes they have debilitating anxiety and they have to have their medication dosed out appropriately. Now, what one like who am I to tell you you're not clean because what your medication is saving your life and giving you a reprieve was my drug of choice. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, what could be somebody's game changer can also be somebody's drug of choice. So yeah, we've just built up a support system. Um, you know, there have been ugh, who's a great guy, Dax Shepard. Um, yes. On on everything. Like he is an amazing person to describe how the disease of addiction is insidious, cunning, and baffling, and how you have to be on your game. And he even thought he was on his game. And next thing you know, like it's manipulating him to oh every four hours. Okay, well now let's go with every two hours. And then now, oh well, my dose was this. Now I'm gonna up my dose. And it hit him and he didn't even realize it was happening until later on he was like, Holy shit, I relapsed. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, his podcast with Brene Brown is definitely something worth checking out, how he describes how his addiction snuck up on him. So um, Y'all write those names down, Dax Shepard and Brene Brown. I'm telling yeah. you, if you listen to podcasts in general, listen to anything that they do, honestly. Yeah. He, um, but no, you hit the nail on the head. We always do support systems and, um, you know, have other people dole out our medicine. I think it's important, you know, again, uh, 
people shy or, you know, just do what the doctor tells them to don't question it necessarily. Yes. Don't it. Um, I think is a, you know, people are scared to ask questions. I think a lot when it comes to, you know, being your own medical advocate, um, I yeah, am trying to, I'm like, oh, God, it wasn't a dream. I know it was a conversation. I'm like, I don't know where, if, what, if it was in a cannabis group that I'm in, um, but a patient was essentially saying that they worked with their doctor. They were going in for surgery. Um, they had a problem with opioids and drug, you know, addiction and um, very, you know, I think were using medical cannabis um, and so heavily discuss that their, their concerns with their doctor and, uh, you know, and the doctor was like, you use cannabis and they're like, yes, on a regular basis. And so they came up with a treatment plan that included Marinol, um, as, and, and, um, you know, so that that was immediately available to them versus whatever, other drug that they would have given them to uh, just fill everybody in on Marinol. Just a yeah. quick fill in. Oh, Marinol is um, a prescription uh, marijuana. Basically it is uh, a cannabis derived um, drug. Um, yeah. And this, it, it kind of, when we talked about synthetic cannabinoids and um, so I was actually questioning Sativex and where do they get their product? How do they process it? Are they using um, uh, processing methods that would not necessarily meet regulations of uh, right. our industry? Um, are you, oh. Uh-oh, that's the worst sound that a pet owner could hear in their whole life. That's the worst sound. Um, um, yeah, that looks like she had to go take care of that, so... To continue, though, that conversation. Um, so, yeah, it, it is synthetic. We actually didn't cover it on our show about synthetics. Um, I didn't even consider what well, we were talking about, like Delta 8 and THCO. And so we didn't even consider the um, the legal medical marijuana, which Marinol would be one of those. It's been on the market for quite some time, um, way before cannabis legalization across um, the nation. Um I will say um, that with mental illness, uh, THC definitely mood altering, definitely helps me throughout the day. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, CBD and CBC are where you want to focus your energies when it comes to your mental health. And I know I need to take my own advice too. Um, to include more of that CBD and CBC into um, my daily regime, but that's really where it's going to be at for your mental health. Um, sometimes we're using cannabis. I say we collectively, um, we're using cannabis, um, also, um, recreationally. So we're including it in our recreational life and also using it medicinally when necessary. And that could, potentially cause an issue, especially if you're somebody who is in a recovery state. So I want you to keep that in mind. I don't, I don't want anybody to walk away from here thinking that cannabis is the end all be all to treat your addiction. It is not for everybody. Not everybody should be doing this, but I have also seen it help people and change people's lives. I've had patients who were alcoholics who um, started using cannabis 
and stopped using alcohol altogether. And I commend them for that. Um, I would say there is, like we were talking about before, this sticky situation where you're replacing one substance for another. However, I am a cannabis advocate and cannabis is safer than alcohol. Um, alcohol is going to murder your liver and a lot of your relationships if you use it in excess. Um, so um, I was happy to see that. I would, I, I do know also though, and I want to be very transparent about this. I also know people whose lives have been ruined because of cannabis and not because the police came and picked them up and ripped their family apart, but because they were over consuming on a regular basis and they were developing a dependency on it. And when they didn't use it, it was depressing for them because those receptors weren't being fed and that can get dangerous. So definitely um, consider working with uh, somebody who um, can help you with microdosing or, or correcting your dose. Even if it's not a microdose, maybe you do need a high dose, but correct your dose. Um, work with individuals like that, that can help you. Um, and if you're not sure, and if you're not feeling, I guess, steady on your feet in your journey through recovery, then maybe cannabis isn't part of that journey right now. Yep. Well yeah. said. Um, sorry, ladies, but she's fine. She's okay. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. Oh, that face. She's so cute. So yeah. adorable. Does anybody have anything else that we didn't touch on? Um, you're welcome, by the way, to come back on our Wednesday show. We do a Wednesday, a work Wednesday, um, where we kind of just do some work and sometimes just follow up on topics. So um, if at any point in time between now and Wednesday you go, oh, you know what? We didn't talk about that. And you say you want to come back through. We will let you come back through. Absolutely. Thank you. Cause, um, yeah. honestly, like I, I, I love that there's options out there, you know, right now, like in my life, I have like, everything's like just working what everything I've put the effort in, um, is working for me, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But, um, it's not like that for everybody. You know, what right. works for me doesn't work for my husband. Cannabis works for my husband, right. you know, what I mean? and, um, and it didn't work for me, you know, but the things is, is the thing is, that um, I would like to have my options if there ever was a time to come. Right. Who are both brilliant, you know? In fact, the whole time I'm like, all right, right on. I'll, I know who to call, <laughs> you yeah. know? Uh, whenever I were to get sick or in times of illness, I think you guys are brilliant and um, on top of your game. And um, it is tonight. It's nice to have this information out for the masses mm -hmm. and to create a dialogue between recovering cannabis because these two worlds are coming together. They are. Um, and I know it's, you know, in my personal life, it, it's been a balance between the two of like, I remember my husband and I are like, all right, well, you're doing a 12 step program and um, I'm in the cannabis industry. How are we going to make these worlds work? It works. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is I, I feel the two intertwining more and more together mm -hmm. where um, I think you can find a balance where you can be a 12, um, 12 step uh, fellowship advocate with a clean life, but also be an advocate for cannabis and a healthier lifestyle for people. Awesome. Thank you, Wilson, for saying that uh, you love the information you receive from us. Oh, um, I, <laughs> I wanted to say, um, 
I wanted to say that, yeah, I, that's definitely, you can definitely make that work. Um, in, in my house, it's more of occupation driven, but, um, yeah, I work in cannabis and my husband works for the federal government and that's the end of that conversation. But yeah, we make it work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm deep dive into it. So, I mean, like right here, look at me, this is how I dress all the time. <laughs> One, a girl, I've made this, I, I do, I do sometimes, um, um, just like stand up impromptu. I've done it a couple of times. I say I do it sometimes I've done it twice, but, um, I will do it again. Uh, but one of the things that I said recently was something that happened to me over the summer. I was dressed in how I dress. And this girl at a coffee shop said she loved my theme. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is how I dress every day. Well, it's not a theme. This is who I am. <laughs> like, so, yeah, we can um, definitely. And I, I hope that um, one day that our worlds were inter- intertwined as well. But I don't I don't know until federal government gets their head out of their bums. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but we make it work around here. Um so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that there are options on the table. I think that the biggest thing, I, I, I think that opioids have their place in the right dosing. They could also work well with cannabis because what we were talking about before with cannabis blocking the necessity for higher doses, you could lower your dose of your medications while using it simultaneously with cannabis. Some people do that. So there's definitely a place, but I think it's overtaken. It's become a profiteering little situation for these medical doctors and these pharmaceutical companies. And um, now we're seeing how it's harming America. Mm. It's become a cry. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor. It doesn't matter. It is affecting everybody um, that goes. Anybody that goes to a doctor has has been at least offered I think like Jaleps was saying, um, soccer moms, you know, yes. uh, but also, you know, again, um, it's presented in different ways to different communities, mm-hmm. you know, of why you should use this. Mm-hmm. I, um, a couple things on that. I, um, I can't tell you how many soccer moms and church ladies call me and say, I, I, I don't, uh, I just went to my doctor. I'm having these issues. And then he, they prescribed uh, benzos and then their body becomes addicted to benzos. And the whole time they're judging themselves because we put this stigma on addicts in our society. And I have to tell them, and I can't tell you how many times also it starts off with a 16 year old soccer player girl, um, tearing her knee and then having to get opiates and then her body and it, like I said earlier, it's a mental, physical, 16 year old, 16 prescribed opiates for knee surgery. And then they stop prescribing them. And then she starts going to the streets for heroin and then it goes downhill from there. Right. And this is a, your brain is not fully developed until you're around 25 years old. So but the thing is though, is like the disease of addiction isn't a moral failing. You're not a shitty person because you were not. born with the disease of addiction. You know what I mean? You have it once you realize you have the disease of addiction, it is up to you to take responsibility for yourself to take the steps. But a lot of this happens and it it doesn't discriminate. I see it from all colors, shapes, sizes, sexes, everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. It affects you. Mm -hmm. And um, dialogues like this um, create more awareness, but it always starts with 
I see if anything in, in my own personal life, my drug of choice was Adderall. And um, the only thing different from what I was prescribed was money because it's no different than what the meth user in Lakeland is doing. I just had the money for a guy in a white jacket to yeah. pay for my drugs. And that's the only thing. So it is a class disease as well. Mm -hmm. Not class disease. It is a class um, uh, pandemic as well. Yeah. But, I want to um, say, I'm glad you brought that up mm -hmm. because this is, I will stand on this hill and I will die on this hill. There's not representation in this room, so I shall be it. But, um, you know, white suburban moms are not going to jail for their addiction. Mm -hmm. When the crack epidemic happened in the United States, which was caused by the government, I will stand by that as well. Um, the crack was introduced into low income and um, community of color, communities of color by the government. I, I will never believe otherwise, but it might be a conspiracy theory that I'm just going to die on. But um, they went to jail. They went to prison for life, for addiction, for being addicted to the drug, for mere possession of the drug. So it is uh, there is a class warfare. There is also um, roots in um, in racism in the way that this particular um, epidemic of our country and addiction is happening. Um, still, we will see poor people go to jail for mm -hmm. having medication in their pocket that's not prescribed to them, while people in rich communities um, will go to um, recovery um, clinics instead. And so, you know, we have to point that out. We have to, uh, you know, present that elephant in the room because that conversation is important. And it's and we don't we don't have representation today to have that conversation, but I would absolutely love to have that conversation when we do have um, more educated individuals um, in the room with experience around that subject matter. But it does affect communities of color far more than um, than it does white communities in general and low income communities, of course, are always affected by those things as well in a negative way. So, so poor people don't get to go necessarily to rehab. And that's unfortunate because they didn't cause their addiction. They, you know, your, your body is your body and your receptors are your receptors. And when your doctor says that you need this thing, then you listen to your doctor. I think that this epidemic is a lesson in questioning your doctor because remember they're practicing medicine. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's a saying it's real. Even even practitioners, you know, say mm -hmm. I mean Yeah. They I, have to go to like two courses a year, like certain amount of hours a year to, you know, maintain their um discipline. So um they are practicing and sometimes we can teach them something, you know. Um it's not my doctor, but it was my dog's doctor. When my dog got cancer, I said, this is what we're doing. This is what we're dosing. And I shared everything with him and it actually eliminated her um, cancer and kept her in remission for six months before it came back. And when it came back, it came back more aggressively and we weren't able to get it under control, but it gave us six months with no chemo and a healthy dog. And, and, and I taught him something new. I taught him something new. And so it's, you know, we can teach each other. Yep. Yeah. Um, I want to congratulate you 
on your many years of continued success. Yes. Um, thank you for using your life lessons to help others. It's, oh, thank um, it's, it's really important what you do. Um, thank you for being open-minded about cannabis, even though you're not an active consumer of cannabis. Um, that's also important um, to have allies in all spaces. So we appreciate that. And we appreciate you coming on to have the conversation. Um, Thank you for having me. This was awesome. It's it's so much. I love I love putting these shows together. Um, when we talked about it, uh, MJ suggested that you come on as well. Um, really glad because Dusty's internet wasn't um, cooperating with us today. So we're hoping to have him back on Wednesday. Um, but I'm really glad that she recommended you, um, uh, your experiences, um, they, they just, you know, they, they highlight the need for more education and, and the fact that you're using these experiences to help other people is, is commendable and, and we love you for it and we appreciate it. And yeah. you're welcome to come back on Wednesday Thank as well. You, you can come Thank back. you. I appreciate your kind <laughs> words, but honestly, you're, it's just giving back what was given to me. So, um, you know, I had a lot of people help me pave the way when I didn't know what to do. And I just did what they told me to do. Can I that's how mentors are born. You know, um, Facebook does listen to us, right? You know, and does show us things that uh, we've been kind of discussing or talking about. So um, I actually had a post come up on, I think, one of my girl's travel sites or maybe the van. Line, I think it was a travel site because she was at an airport. Um, but she posted um, that someone had informed her, you know, as she's, she was telling her story. And as a traveler, um, alcohol was a big thing for her at airports and, uh, you know, destinations, etc. And I guess, uh, you know, she was saying you can walk up to any desk agent and tell them to please page Bill W to your gate and someone will come support you. Oh, that's what? Awesome. Mm -hmm. I just that is amazing information. So Bill W, and I, I went and looked through the comments because I was like, I don't understand the Bill W thing. And um, Bill W, and they said his last name, the founder of AA, I think, oh. um, is his name was Bill W. And so it's a code that you need, you know, you're in a moment. Oh, that's so that's amazing. Beautiful. And I don't know, you know, and some people jumped on and said yes. And, you know, people are answering the questions of, you know, that they're whether it's a, a, an employee or, you know, even people that understand the code to go to the gate, you mm -hmm. know, yeah. they will be a paging guest, Bill W to gate. Da, 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 da. Oh. oh, that's amazing. I, I, I am curious about anybody that's actually done that. I would love to have that conversation. Uh, I mean, I feel like it's a personal conversation. But also, you know, I'm in the mindset of like, if somebody's willing to have that conversation, the, the more knowledge we have, the better we can interact with each other and treat each other humanely like we are supposed to. Mm -hmm. um, that's amazing. That's great information. So if you are in a situation in an airport, um, you could page Bill W. I imagine that if people who know that are in a public space and hear that page anywhere... In, in like a space where you could go to a ticket counter or something like that, you know, mm -hmm. that that could, that could also be utilized. But I, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I, I'm, I, 
again, I read it on the post really quickly. I thought that it was interesting that this was something you know, that we were getting ready to discuss. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, so yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and again, that, you know, there are more, you're, you know, I think, and is that um, people need is you're not alone as uh, yeah. in recovery, in addiction. I think that that's what they tell you. Or you're, in life. Um, that never alone, I, never again find a support system. So yes, you know, um, because it's not the end, just be, you know, like, and you know, just like you guys were saying about Dak Shepard, it's so easy to slip right back in. You may not not even realizing it. Right. And he had years, years, you know, and he had, you know, he's in recovery, you know, and it's uh, just, you know, it's a cunning, Sneaky, very sneaky, because it, it all, for me, at least, I had to manipulate myself so I can manipulate and co-sign my own bullshit on why mm-hmm. I would use, you know? Yeah. Um, and it starts off in that sense, you know? Yeah. But that's really cool, though, because I can't tell you how many addicts are probably in that airport, you know? And I would, like, I'd be like, come with me, <laughs> you know? Yes. Everyone's <laughs> night, yeah. You're like a flash mob yeah. of, of support. Yeah, absolutely. Because we definitely don't shoot our wounded. And I I find it brilliant that you two are um, not in recovery. And yet I I hear lingo just like pouring out of your mouth, you know, never alone, never again, you know, like, um, so um, it's nice to even um, uh, have our own our allies as well on the other side, if that makes sense. I grew up in an addictive household, like my mm. father. I, I talk about this um, sometimes. My mother probably would not want to hear me say this, but um, um, that she should start listening to the show. Maybe I won't say stuff like this. Um, <laughs> but my father was, uh, well, my stepdad, he was my stepdad. He's, for all intents and purposes, he was my dad growing up. And um, he was an alcoholic. Mm. And um, as I became older, I kind of realized that my mother also had addiction to alcohol but she wasn't mean to me ever right so I just didn't recognize it as a child but even though somebody's not acting in um, a belligerent manner or being mean or aggressive to you doesn't mean that their addiction doesn't exist um so just keep that in mind you know it could still be affecting their job their their livelihood their health um, their relationships otherwise in other ways. Um, so keep, you know, it's it, addiction is not healthy, but it, you can get through it. And there is support for you, both people who have experienced it and people who have experienced relationships with pe- people who have experienced it and people who've never experienced it a day in their whole lives um, will support their friends and the people that they love through the challenges. So um, I think that's, I think that's it. Did we miss, we, we always miss it. We missed it by like 30 minutes straight but happy 420, happy 420 East West coast on the West coast. <laughs> um, you guys, um, uh, be, Oh, I'm going to share this discord link. Cause we're just talking about how you're never alone. You're not alone in life at all. You're not alone at all. Whether you're going through something like, um, you know, working through recovery, or if you're, if you're, feeling your mental health isn't doing well and you know life is not a journey that we take on our own so you have a support system um 
open your heart and your mind to them. They will show their faces. I promise you. Be nice Feel to that you yourselves. Have a support system. You can always join us. You can always join us in our Discord. We would love to um, help you through it because we understand we have people in our Discord that have been through all kinds of things. So absolutely come hang out with us in our Discord. Be nice to yourselves, you guys. Uh, put put your mask on before you assist others. It's very important. Love yourself. Yes, cultivate that love. Yep. Bring it to you. Mm -hmm. uh, and... <laughs> Stay lifted as always. Yes, stay lifted. Thank you, Laurie Girl, for joining us. We love you. Thank you so much. We love you. Thank I you to you. all of our listeners. Uh, make sure you like, share, follow all that stuff. And uh, we'll see you on Wednesday for a follow-up show. And November 8th, join us on November 8th. We're having a discussion about women's health and, and reproduction. So yes, and definitely how join us for plays that. a part in that. And how, again, stigma plays a role in... Um, our women's rights and reproductive process. Absolutely. <laughs> see you guys on Wednesday, 420 Mountain Standard Time, every Monday and Wednesday. We will see you then. Thanks for joining us. Peace.